Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by Aaron Stokes. And we thought we'd talk a little bit about ticketing because that has been the subject on the lips of nearly every Newcastle United fan for the past few days. Wow, what a week it has been. Aaron, I mean, we were going to do this video yesterday that before Newcastle United, you turned on the ballot process. Newcastle United have changed their original plan. So I guess where we'll start is to just remind people of, of what went down. So obviously people could go and buy memberships, which would give them access uh, to a ballot system for home games. The first home game of the season, of course, is Aston Villa on Saturday evening. People were already a bit angry that they didn't really know how to go about getting tickets with that game so close. Then the details were announced that you would go into a ballot and you would be randomly allocated uh, a seat you would be randomly allocated a price category as well. Anything from £34 up to £74. So quite the difference. Hell broke loose on social media in particular. Fans not very happy at the uncertainty of how much they would be paying. Because, of course, you know, in today's cost of living crisis, you need that security. You want to know how much you're paying. The club listened. And before the ballot opened on, what was it, Wednesday morning they changed it and said you can now pick which price category you would like to be in and that has gone down well just talk to us about the initial decision Aaron and then obviously the U-team what are your thoughts on this? I think um, my thoughts initially on on Tuesday morning when the, when the news dropped about the ballot was one of was one of shock of you know have I read that right surely you can't be asking a fan base to just go to a ballot without knowing how much they're going to be paying or where they're going to be sitting. I think what I will say is that I think the ballot system is actually a lot better than the first come first serve system that they used to have, you know, when there was always a you know a massive thousands of fans in a queue, you know, waiting to try and get a ticket. I think, you know, for people who are working jobs like being a teacher or, or, or other occupations, it's much better. But yeah, I, I wasn't surprised to see what was, you know, a real groundswell of, of anger on social media on Tuesday. Um, and I wasn't surprised to see that, you know, the trust get involved quite quite quickly. Yeah, great to see the power of the trust and, and, and great to see the club listening to the fans and the trust realm and get onto that in a moment. What's your thoughts on the fact that you can't pick the way you're going to sit? I mean, that's, that, that's also angered a few people because, you know, you have your favourite spots in the ground. And while you, you, you were still maybe uh, kind of hoping, luckily, that you could pick where you were going to sit last season, you, you, know, you had to be first in the queue, for example, to maybe get in the Gallagher corner or what have you. At least you had a chance. Here, you're just going to be throwing a seat and it's up to you whether you take it or not. Yeah, I think, look, you know, while the U-turn is, is absolutely positive, I don't think there's any denying that. It isn't perfect. Um I think what I will say is, though, is that fans know roughly now, you know, where they're going to be sitting in terms of they know if they're going for a £74 ticket, they're probably going to be in, the, you know, the platinum bars and stuff like that. As I say, it's not ideal. And I think, you know, on, on behalf of the club, it's probably to make it a little bit easier for them in terms of let's just get everyone in a ballot with the same price and, and then we'll choose the seats from there. Um, but look, I think ultimately, you know, we can't grumble too much when the club have acted really, really swiftly to change what was the... You know, the main issue, and that was that, you know, fans were going to be paying, you know, an amount they didn't know, um, you know, which I think in the days, you know, cost of living crisis isn't, isn't ideal. 
So Darren Eels said, we are committed to ensure match tickets are made available fairly so that fans can continue to support the team so magnificently home and away. While we have made positive changes in that regard following ticket workshop with fans, we also appreciate the feedback we specifically received in response to our proposed home ticket ballot process for members. After reviewing that feedback, we've made an adjustment and members will be able to select the specific price point that best suits them when entering the ballot. Support and engagement is hugely important to us and we will continue to seek fans' views as we build towards sustainable success together. And I guess the bottom line there is, as we both kind of already alluded to, is just the fact that the club listened and acted really swiftly as well to fix what was a pretty bad uh, cock-up. Yeah, I, I think... It was good to see that the reaction yesterday was, you know, ninety percent positive. I think fans, you know, even though they were, you know, fuming and fizzing on Tuesday, they they did hold their hands up and say, "You've got to give Newcastle credit for how swiftly they acted." I know that it was a very, very hectic, you know, hectic twelve or so hours for them when they decided, you know, to make this change, and they had to make the change really before ten a.m. on Wednesday. Um, obviously, that statement came about fifteen minutes before the ballot opened. So you've got to give them credit for. You know, holding their hands up, and it goes to show that you know U turns aren't always bad. You know, sometimes when you get it wrong, it's better to just you know hold your hands up rather than you know just powering through with your head down. And I guess the overarching picture is: is this the price of success? And a lot of people are saying, "Well, seventy-four pounds to see Aston Villa at St James's Park is quite a lot of money." And I agree; it's it's up there. And because I I, I I text my dad and I said, "Do you want me to put you in the ballot?" which price point? And he was like, £74. Are you having a laugh? So he's going in the £34 uh, ballot. And I agree. I think I think it is a bit of a hefty price. But there'll be those that argue and say, well, look, Newcastle United are successful now. There is demand. And with demand, will become an inevitable price increase with the spending uh, on the playing squad, with the spending improvements to the ground and improvements to the training um, uh, ground. You know, the fans have to pay their way to a certain extent, and that probably comes with the increase in, in prices. Yeah, and and look, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there. They're, they're spending a lot of money, not just on the playing squad, but you know they're renovating the training ground, they're renovating St James's Park quite heavily at the moment, both you know in the turnstiles and the concourses, and you know in the seating areas. Yes, you know, match day income doesn't really, you know, affect financial to play financial fair play too much. It's, it's it's a little bit of a drop in the ocean, but you know they have to they have to raise the cost. And and I get fans are sort of used to having to, you know, maybe not pay too much for Newcastle United when they're down in the doldrums. But as you say, they're now a Champions League club, and the demand is so unprecedented. They know, if I'm completely honest, they know people will pay seventy four pounds. If that's all they can pay, if that's the only ticket that are left, and it's a choice between getting a ticket and not, I think most fans will find the money. And you know, yes, it's not ideal. We would love, you know, prices to be subsidised and, and, and whatnot. But I just think the club are only going in one direction. That means you know you're going to be paying paying a premium price. I mean, to be fair, I've mentioned my kind of whoa at the price, but I think the majority of people were just angry at the fact they they didn't know what they would be paying. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think for many like look if, like you say if my dad gets given a ticket worth seventy four pound he'll probably take it you know um, let me know dad will you I think you probably will um, I think it was just not knowing because you, you want to know how much you're paying I think that was the, that was the the, the the real issue it was because I think you know I, I took a look at some of the the pricing for last season and actually you know the upper end the premium seats were probably costing you about sixty five 
70 quid at times. It isn't actually that big of a rise. The, the thing that angered people rightly was the fact that they weren't having a say, you know, they could enter the ballot. And, you know, if they didn't want to pay 74 quid, it didn't matter, they were going to have to. And I think, you know, the club have, the club have done well to, to retract it so soon. And, you know, the ballot situation is really interesting because originally you had to log on at, say, 10 a.m. and just hope that the randomly allocated number you got was below 15,000. Whereas now you go in and you don't have to log on straight away. You can wait, you know, two days after the ballot's open and just make sure you're in before the deadline. So you're not having to sneak out of a work meeting or you're not having to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I think that's really good. I think that's that is actually a good change and in many ways actually the old system was a was a ballot in itself really because you were randomly allocated a number anyway it's still good you can link your account and you can go in with i think it's up to six family members or friends and if, if one successfully you all of you know so that that's also good you can hopefully sit together There's, you know you're not going to please any everybody again and i i i do wonder if newcastle were kind of caught off guard not just with this process but over the last year so where the demand has been unbelievable. I mean, you had it with the, the Cup tickets and the Wembley tickets, you know. Maybe they just didn't anticipate how popular the club has become. It's funny because I've, I've literally just been at the box office 15 minutes ago, you know, changing my ticket over to my dad's. And, and you know, the queue is out the door, stretching out the Bobby statue. There's three poor members of staff at the box office working trying to get through people's requests. I think it's just, you know, it, it isn't helped by the fact this club was so underfunded and so little care and attention was put into things like the ticketing system. They're still technically, you know, working with the same shoestring team that they did then, but now the demand is, you know, tenfold. So I, I, I feel a little bit for those who work in the ticketing office. What are those, I mean, obviously you've gone to sort out your season ticket, but... Are we feeling like the rest of that queue, the majority of that queue, are just trying to get in the ballot process? I don't know if the ballot process is even offline. What are the, what are the rest of the people doing in that queue? It was it was weird. So the, the a person in front of me in the queue was trying to you know change his season ticket over to his son or change it from son to son. You had a, a bloke behind me who said he was trying to enter the ballot, but his, his card was getting blocked, so he had to come in. You know there was people trying to buy tickets and they're told, well, you can't. There was people trying to get seller cup tickets. You know. This poor staff, you know, these poor staff members, three or four of them trying to, you know, deal with all this backlog. You've got to feel for them. And as you say, you're never going to please everybody. There's always going to be people saying, well, you know, why should we do a ballot? You know, if I'm ready at nine o'clock, I should be ready. And there'll be other people who say, well, if you can't afford to pay £74, don't go to the game. But, you know, you're never, ever, ever going to please the full fan base. But I think they're trying to move in the right direction. And I think if they can expand the ticket office, get more staff in, you know, get a better understanding of it. In the seasons to come, hopefully it'll get a little bit easier to get tickets. Expand the stadium. That would be that would be a start as well, yeah. wouldn't it? I think that's that's the answer many people would like to see. Hello there, Andrew Musgrove here. I do hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just a quick interruption to point you in the direction of our latest live event. Yes, the award-winning Everything is Black and White podcast is going out in front of a live audience once again. We'll be at the Tyneside Irish Centre on Wednesday, August the 30th, and we really hope you can join us. We've got a fantastic panel. We've got the familiar faces in Lee Ryder, Kieran Kelly and Aaron Stokes. BBC Radio Newcastle's Matthew Raisbeck once again joins us. And alongside those, 
us, we've got the Times-Henry Winter. And what a time to be talking about Newcastle United. Because just 24 hours later, the Champions League draw takes place. And then just a few days after that, the transfer window closes. So we'll be talking about all about Newcastle's summer business. And there's been quite a bit of that so far. And of course, the Premier League season will be underway. So we could be talking, potentially, about Newcastle being top of the Premier League. Who knows? It's a dream worth having now to secure your ticket hit the link in the description do it right now there you go click on through and secure your ticket for what will be a fantastic night we are making a donation to two really important northeast charities the sir boy robson foundation and the newcastle fans food bank you're going to help out those what a fantastic couple of causes we hope to see you on wednesday august 30th let's get back to the show just briefly on on the, the e-ticket situation, you know that there's a new sign gone up outside the ground, which tells people how to use. It. Obviously, uh, over the last week or so, that information has finally gone out to, to, to fans as well about the whole digital ticketing system. Look, it's I think it's a good move in theory, but we know the signal outside of St James's Park is absolutely awful. It did improve towards the end of last season, so I wonder if someone switched a button somewhere. But you know. Things happen, you know, your phone dies on the way up, you, you you lose your phone, or the signal is just awful. If they haven't fixed that issue, it's going to be chaotic, isn't it? Well, I think I think a lot of those people in the queue this morning were, you know, worrying about that and trying to change it over because you can't just, you know, rock up with your pal's season ticket anymore and, and you get let in. So, you know, I think the club are, I think the club's messaging has been okay so far. I think they could do with another push maybe before Villa next week, just so people are aware. And I mean, you know, when I was there just earlier this afternoon, I couldn't get any signal around the box office. So, it, it, you know, there is there is sort of um, issues with with the new plan. And I, I mean, that's the key issue for many people, isn't it? You can't just, you know, if you're if you wake up on a match and you're ill, you can't just hand your ticket over to, to your mate. You've got to make sure they're all linked and what have you. But I guess the other side, the club might argue as well, with success becomes ticket touts and people trying to make a profit, an even bigger profit on the back of the success. You know, you would walk up to St. James Park last season, you could hear people saying, anyone selling any tickets or do you need a ticket? And you know they weren't going for face value. You know, so people were being ripped off by these touts. And I actually think putting this element of security in, yes, it's going to make it more difficult to pass it on to someone you trust, but at least people who are just out there to make a bit of money aren't going to get that opportunity. And that, for me, is a positive. Yeah, ultimately, that's what the club are trying to do. And they're also trying to do that with the away games and, you know, the very, very strict rules they're going to have on, you know, passing tickets and buying tickets for, for fans that don't have loyalty points, which is why they're obviously going to bring in this little you know, small select number of tickets where they're going to be sort of left behind for those who don't have the required points. Look, there's going to be teething problems. I, I know a few Premier League clubs are already doing this digital ticket thing. I've got no doubt for the first couple of weeks it'll probably be a bit chaotic, but I think the club certainly think it's it's the future, um, and they think it's going to solve problems rather than create them. And just on that away uh, tickets ballot, keeping some back, I think that's again, I think that's a positive idea because you want to open it up to people who haven't been able to, for whatever reason, get their hands on on away tickets, mainly because they're just so popular. Now I know people who have been following Newcastle away for many many years are not happy at this because yeah. it jeopardizes their chance of getting tickets and I can totally understand that frustration but I'm kind of in the middle because I can understand why the club are holding 
you know, a small section back as well because you don't want it to become a closed shop. However, you also don't want to risk stopping someone who is putting the hard yards from going to an away game. It's, it's a really difficult one. It's a really, it's a really difficult balancing act between, you know, pleasing the diehard to have, you know, been through all the bad times and, you know, racked up their points. But you don't want to make it a closed shop. And, and you know, I, I saw I saw a few people yesterday saying, well, you know, the amount of times under Mike Ashley that the ticket points went to zero, you could have gone to an away game. But, you know, what about the new generation of fans who are, you know, just starting to get into Cast United now that they're wanting to start travelling and seeing them away? I think I think it's positive that they're keeping a small amount back. I, I, as I say, I don't think it should be a closed shop. But as I said earlier, you know, it's another example of just not being able to please everyone all the time. Yeah, and this demand for tickets is not too dissimilar to what happened to Sir John Hall in the entertainers here. And I've caught up with John Gibson to just get a bit of a, a feel for what it was like back then because I was two years old and Aaron wasn't even born. So we had to go and get John's experience and memories of what it was like when Sir John Hall took over the club, led Newcastle to the Premier League. And wow, what a roller coaster it was. Here's what John had to say. Two, three. So yeah, as mentioned there with Aaron, the issue with tickets today is not too dissimilar to what it was like back in the entertainers era under Sir John Hall and Kevin Keegan. Of course, Sir John Hall took over the club and alongside Keegan rescued Newcastle United and turned them into title challengers. John was part of the Magpie group that helped Sir John secure control for the club and, of course, was reporting for the Chronicle as demand went through the roof to get into St James's Park to watch Newcastle United go on this amazing journey which led them to within touching distance of the Premier League title. John just explained to us the 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 change that came about when Newcastle United, I guess, became successful in the early 90s and, and what Sir John Hall had to deal with and how he dealt with it. Yes, it, it, it the problem was quite similar because from being having an average attendance as all of a sudden the the city was absolutely lifting. You know, Keegan was the forerunner of Howe and um, John of the current board. Uh, the answer at that stage was different to what it would be now, but basically it's not, you know. The answer was an improved St. James's Park. Now, John Hall was perfect for that situation, improving St. James's Park, because Cameron Hall Developments was his company. He was a builder. He built the Metro Centre. So can you think of anybody more perfect to be in charge of the football club that needs a facelift then a builder, and he used the common all development staff to to completely change the face and the size of Newcastle United, and to to go up to fifty two thousand. I mean, it he made it what it is today. Uh, yes, because it hasn't been carried on. It's twenty years old. It needs changing. But the only way for Newcastle United is is to when they're successful, like second top of the Premier League, two successive seasons, is to increase the capacity. And the only answer to this problem long term is to get an extra 10,000 in, which is what Newcastle have been looking to do. And to do that and still remain at St James's Park, you've got to build upwards because you can't build outwards and because the ground is limited. But, you know, my big concern during all of this 
is that you need the fans on side. What whoever is in charge of the club, John Hall had to get the fans on side when he produced the entertainers through Kevin Keegan. Ashley, the next along, got the fans completely offside. And the new owners have played a blinder since they've come here. They've they've won over all the fans who were rebelling and rioting against Ashley, um, etc. But for the first time over this ticket situation, they've risked alienating their support. And the single greatest strength of this football club is the fans. Always has been, and it is now. The atmosphere within St James's Park, the war flags displays, etc., etc., sensational. But war flags and 10,000 fans left disillusioned with Ashley. They've come back. They've loved what's happening in Newcastle. They have done everything right. And then suddenly they've done the first thing wrong. Please do not alienate your customers. That is so important. The heartbeat of this club has always been its fans. It's, it's cradle-to-grave fans. And... They've had this board has had to do its first major U-turn climb down over, and I don't know what they were aiming for. They were trying to open up Newcastle United to more people, etc. But just willy-nilly, you've got to sit anywhere. You can pay anything from forty to seven, forty-four quid to seventy-four quid, which was the original thing. You've got no choice. This is where the climb down come. So ill-advised. So. Poor, and please, this is our greatest season for 20-odd years. We're about to enter Champions League football, is fourth top team in the Premier League. Don't spoil it all before we start. And they've been in great danger of doing that. And that is sad. And um, the bad taste hasn't gone yet. There's work to be done, but I don't want to go be going in Aston Villa and, and, and having disgruntled fans to play Aston Villa. No, thank you. We, the, the reason we finished fourth last season, apart from having good players and a great manager, was was that we had a sensational stadium. The atmosphere, the feeling, the camaraderie, they were the 12th man. I know that's a well-known phrase, but it was true in Newcastle's case. It was wonderful. Journalists were coming up to St James's Park and sitting in the press box and saying, I can't believe this. This is absolutely wonderful. Let's not spoil soil that. And we got this one wrong. We being Newcastle United football club got this one wrong. There's absolutely no question. They're scrambling now to try to get it right. Some damage has been done, but uh, it's left a poor taste in the mouth, I must say. John, not overly pleased, but I think he's just channeling what a lot of fans felt. But as we say, you know, the club listens and did a U-turn, and that is is refreshing. What did you make of what John had to say? Yeah, look, I think I think what he was saying was pretty much what every single fan was thinking on Tuesday. I didn't see one person on Tuesday back the plans. I I can sort of maybe see what the club are trying to do, but I, I just think to you know, in this day and age to try and ask fans to pay without knowing where they're going to be sitting and what they're going to be paying is just ridiculous. I think John is right again. I think, you know, you need to try and keep the fans on side, all these changes. You know, nobody likes change, but you need to try and 
you know, minimise the sort of anger by at least, you know, consulting them, which again, as we as we touch on, it's great to see that the trust, you know, have got the back of their members. And ultimately, you know, none of this matters if, well, it, it doesn't matter as much if the club expand the stadium. That has got to be, you know, so close to the top of the priority list because if Newcastle have another season like they had last season and they're, you know, up at the top four and then the Champions League, that demand is only going to go up and it, there needs to be more than 52,000 seats. And I think however they can do it, you know, add 10 or 15,000 on without moving, I think they need to be exploring it very, very quickly. Yeah, the demand for memberships, the demand for the ballot, I think there was 10,000 in the in the queue already on or when the ballot first opened. We'll just again reaffirm the demand to see Newcastle United and the importance of getting that stadium expanded, but it's not going to be easy. Darren Eels, Peter Selson, they've all spoken about it in, in, in recent days and weeks, so it's going to be a hard task in the short term. It's all about making sure that this ticket system is fair and balanced. As you said, it's not going to be easy to please everyone, but again, I'm going to use my favourite word on this podcast. It's refreshing, though, that the club have listened to the feedback from the fans and changed it for the better, there will be bumps in the road. Manor Stavely, one of those famous quotes is that, you know, we will make mistakes, we will listen and we will learn from them. They've hopefully learned from this one. It probably won't be the last. That's just football. It's just life in general, isn't it really, Aaron? But as we said, it's good to see the club changing on the back of feedback from fans. If you haven't been in the ballot, you better get best get into it because it closes on Friday uh, afternoon. And then, of course, Newcastle face Villa in a little over a week. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Please hit that subscribe button. I'm Aaron and myself. We'll see you guys very soon.